Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Anna. And I'm Em. This week on Shelf Aware, we're starting a new unit on domestic thrillers. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a unit that Anna picked, and we're kicking Mm -hmm. it off with a book Anna has actually read before, and probably Mm -hmm. a lot of you have read before, because, you know. Everyone on the planet had read before. I'm pretty sure you were the last person. Yeah, you ruined it. I had, (laughs) that was my cool fact that I could introduce myself with at like <laughs> terrible team meetings and stuff i could be like i'm M, and i've never read gone girl you know as you i'm sure you did all the time yeah absolutely i did yeah. um and the fact that you are even somewhat calling it into question really just shows um how little mm-hmm. you know me because it's definitely a thing i did oh sure. no <laughs> No, it's not. I'm kidding. I don't know what to believe now. <laughs> I'm Gone Girl. <laughs> Damn it. You got me. I got I'm Ben you. Affleck. You're what? Rose Byrne? Is that who is in this? I don't remember. I also have not seen the movie. Have you seen the movie? I did see the movie. I believe Michael and I went to go see the movie together after I read the book. I don't think he's read this book. Mm. So there um, you go. He's also. He's There you go. He's a Gone, he's a girl, gone virgin. girl virgin. Yeah. I think he did read her other books, though, because I did own, at one point, Sharp Objects and Dark Places, um, which I read and did not care for because I learned I don't like thrillers or dom- especially domestic thrillers like this one. Uh, yeah, so you've read this book before. Yeah. Why? Why did I read this? Uh, well, I don't know if you remember way back in 2012. This is the only thing anyone talked about was fucking Gone Girl. I was <laughs> coming off of a uh, four-year reading slump imposed by the fact that I was an English major in college. And I was like, reading sucks now. And I hate it. Um, and then I was like, maybe reading is fun again. So let me read what is popular. And I picked up Gone Girl. And I think because it was like the first book... Or, like, one of the first books I had read that was like this, and it had so many twists, and just everyone was talking about it. I was like, yeah, this must be good, because I didn't expect any of the things to happen in it to happen. And, um, you know, it was just, it was quick to read, fast-paced, exciting, whatever. So five stars. Why not? Um, That was ten years ago. I am now a much more discerning reader. I only like certain genres now. Um, I've come to learn about myself. Yeah, I say discerning. I'm like, anyway, um, so that that book with the dragon with two dicks. I was literally going to say, so anyway, let me go read some dragon porn. <laughs> <laughs> Which I still haven't read, but I want Very to, I discerning. think. discerning. <laughs> I think I want to. <laughs> am I into monster fucking? That's the kind, that's the kind of reader I am now. I'm like, I have to, I have to be that like niche about it, right? I'm like, I know I like romances. Do I like the monster fucking ones? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do know I don't like domestic thrillers now. This was, um, you know, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves of like what I want to see from this genre. You can't root for anybody in this book. And yeah. while that might be entertaining to some people is not to me because I'm not going to spend for three to four hours with awful people when I could be doing anything else. <laughs> this is definitely a thing that I think we're going to get into with the you can't root for anyone because mm-hmm. that was my biggest gripe i guess while reading this mm-hmm. um was yeah who who are you supposed to be empathizing with and if the answer is no one then i i don't know i mean like definitely you can have books where you're not supposed to empathize with anyone yeah but 
to a point, right? Usually to make a point about something. And I don't know what point this was trying to make. And it confuses me. I feel like it works on a very, like, if you read it as a metaphor almost of like patriarchy and the ways Mm -hmm. in which patriarchy harms men and women and Mm -hmm. it you know like that sort of thing it's like okay yeah I guess but also not really and also yeah like you said you still have to sit with these characters for a really long time and read about them and they're very not enjoyable to be around yeah um every thought in in their interiors because we do get we get dual perspectives here from both of the characters I'm like these are just they're both trash (laughs) <laughs> and I, I almost wonder if, because I have, I don't think I've read any domestic thrillers, unless one of the other mm-hmm. thrillers we've read has fallen into I that. I would say that the one with the, the one we read a long time ago with, with the, the, cousins? the therapist. Oh, the therapist. Um, yeah. The therapist one? I guess, yeah. I was going to say the one, wasn't there one that we read, like the heiresses or something? Was that a thriller? Oh, was that a thriller? I, I can't, can't remember. remember. And then we read the, the. We've read a couple other thrillers, The Amber Room. Yeah, and I'd say that's more of that's, like yeah, not domestic, actiony. Yeah. Um, and what was the other one we read? We we read a. These are all like way backlog before when we were still hate reading. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. James Patterson one, I think, right? Oh, that Black Widow book, or what was it called? Honeymooners. Yeah, or Honeymooners. I think that was yeah. it. Um, yeah. Which of course is really a Blake Crouch book because James Patterson doesn't write anything. Um, <laughs> but. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with thrillers, and I'm certainly mm-hmm. not familiar with domestic thrillers. Yeah. I don't – I felt like this book worked if it was a different genre. If we just said it was a horror book, I'd be like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah. This is kind of scary, yeah. Right, because it's like – you. Do, a lot of times in horror, you're not necessarily supposed to root for anybody. Like, it, it, there's the, the – like – Midsomar being kind of the example that springs to mind very quickly with this book of just like everyone is terrible in different ways and you're mm-hmm. not really supposed to root for anybody you're just supposed to like kind of watch how everything falls apart now a lot of people do root for the female lead in that as I'm sure a lot of people root for Amy in this but mm-hmm. um, I think that is like incredibly emblematic of like white feminism and being like the point of feminism is to get revenge and it's like no it's it's not actually but okay. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um and especially not in a way not of, in like, this the way. extreme way that Amy has chosen to go about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know where I land on this overall, but how do you feel about mm-hmm. it now having uh, come back and read it again? Um, having come back and read it. So the first time I read it, I rated it five stars. This time I read it, I rated it two stars. Interesting. Um, I think the things that saved it from it are what I mean, it is compelling to read. Mm-hmm. You know, like you even rereading it for me there was a couple of things I'm like yeah but how does he get out of this or like how do what what's going on with the treasure hunter like what's going on with the credit cards you know um that you kind of the do propel you to continue reading but then you also have to deal with like the most like like <laughs> the most New Yorky like transplant New Yorkers yeah New Yorker I guess and then like Amy who is like this just comes from money and is beautiful and smart and knows it and you're just like I but they're both so insufferable I wrote that word so many times just I would underline something and just be like insufferable I can't I cannot deal with this this attitude this outlook on life um it is agonizing and then also like 
And I think too, maybe this is this is the book doing commentary on like the whole true crime, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, of it all, and people becoming so invested and and being tried by the public and the media, you know, before you actually get to court, sort of situation was very exhausting to me in 2022, mm-hmm. where I'm just kind of like I'm over that whole thing. Let's let's just. Let's just stop. Yeah, I feel like as someone who has never particularly been into true crime, like I'll occasionally watch a a documentary or whatever Mm -hmm. if someone's like, this one's really good. But, you know, I don't I don't listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Mm -hmm, I don't read true crime books. Um, I kind of already was in the camp of like, hey, true crime is dangerous for these reasons. Mm -hmm. So I didn't need a book to tell me that. And then the way that they went about telling me that and the example that they are using of like oh it's dangerous because sometimes men who are accused of domestic violence didn't really do a domestic violence is like not a thing that I particularly want to explore in my life mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. literature at this stage yeah, for it's any just, number it's of exhausting. reasons <laughs> it's just done with it. yeah I don't know I just I don't it sounds really terrible to be like, I don't care, but I don't care. Like, the number of people who are falsely accused of domestic violence or rape is so minuscule compared to the number of women that experience domestic violence and rape that it's just mm-hmm. like, I'm so sorry if, you know, so anyone of any gender is going through that. But also, like, anytime it is brought up, it is usually brought up in a way of, like, but what about, you know? Yeah. And I'm yeah. just exhausted by it. Um, so this was a lot. This was a lot. <laughs> I, and, yeah, maybe, you know, uh, we did not read it at the time it was written. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are different people now. We're all exhausted. We've all aged 100 years in the past two or three years. Yeah. Um, four years, six years, however many it's been. Um, I, I mean, it's been a decade since this came out. Yeah. Yeah, this came out 10 years ago. We were – I had just graduated college. I was young and naive, full of hope. Um, but uh, – in many ways, you are Amy. I am a. I am. I am diary Amy, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. Not real Amy. Uh, I hope. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that was my thing, and I think domestic thrillers in general. I'm just like, it's supposed to be, like, kind of like the whole the whole mystery of it surrounds like the relationships or Mm -hmm. is you know the relationships that people have between each other and that's what makes it tense and i'm like i don't i'm not here for tense relationships yeah i already (laughs) don't like mysteries because of the escape room thing of like the author came up with Mm -hmm. it so and then they're patting themselves on the back for solving it and it's annoying Uh um yeah can't um but i think with domestic thrillers so far my thing has been if I'm reading something that's about relationships, I want it to be, like, not necessarily, like, it doesn't have to be romance. It doesn't have to be overwhelmingly happy at the end. Mm-hmm. But I want to be able to root for someone. And I yeah. couldn't root for anyone here. Yeah. It's like, why did you just make the two biggest shit bags you could? And I think that's kind of like, I don't know, that just seems to be a thing. I've, I've, I've tried to get into so many thrillers because of it, mm-hmm. but... 
I just like I've had to DNF so many like the the woman in cabin 10 by Ruth Ware I couldn't finish that because I just like this main character is just I I'm just over her I don't I don't care I don't care what happens to her if she dies whatever it's fine with me um I'm presuming she doesn't but who knows um but yeah just like just like a lot of popular books I just I don't have the time I don't I don't care <laughs> the emotional energy to spend and again I think this is kind of like with horror I'm like maybe I'm a thriller prude maybe I don't get the reason why people read so many of these and I mean it's a huge genre people love it um I just for me I'm like this is not the type of escapism that I would ever crave and I do a little bit side eye if you do but that's me because I'm a thriller prude <laughs> and a horror prude <laughs> We've discussed I have started liking horror in the last... Yeah, and I'm side-eyeing you, know, you. Yeah, and that's fine. I'll keep doing my thing. Um, but, you know, Why I'm, do you want to be terrified? I've started liking horror, and I mean, again, I think that that, that that works because of the premise going in, whereas with this, I just don't get, like... When it's something that is, like, a puzzle that needs to be solved, which is usually, like, thriller, mystery, whatever, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm, I, I don't get enjoyment out of solving the puzzle. Because, again, the author wrote the puzzle, so, of course, the author can solve the puzzle. This is an impressive Of course, me. yeah. Um, but the only way that I'm going to connect with that is if it is being helmed by someone who I can really root for or Mm -hmm. like or who is charming in some way you know so I mean I just don't think that unlikable characters work for me in a thriller because I already don't like the premise of thrillers right yeah so like I need it you gotta go the extra mile to to ensnare me yeah yeah which is why I love a good cozy they're always such nice girls and boys don't start um, <laughs> um, with all that being said, who would yeah. you recommend this book for? I mean, um, it's a popular book. A lot of people like it. Um, if you haven't read it, um, and you're looking for a book that's got a lot of twists and turns, it's thrilling, easy to read. You're going on vacation and you're like, I just need to load something on my Kindle or have a paperback or whatever with me. Take on girl. You will probably like it. Um, I know my specific reading taste. I know it's not for me. It's definitely for a lot of people, though. How about you? Uh, your husband, Michael, because after me, he's the only person who has this book. He's the only person on the planet. So. Only person on the planet. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a good mom book. Yeah. for your moms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it is one of those books, right? I mean, like, that's yeah. that sounds shitty to be like, there's just those books that get really popular, and it's like, they're not that impressive, but I mean, they're fine. They're yeah. serviceable, but like, they just were marketed correctly or whatever and just mm-hmm. really took off and I'm not saying this book is that but I can't explain it but Gone Girl has live laugh love Ray Dunn energy see I was gonna say Gone Girl has 50 shades energy <laughs> that too which yeah. also to me has live laugh love energy like yeah, I guess so. it's all you know they all go together in my yeah. mind so sorry to anybody who <laughs> likes those things I can put up with people who like Gone Girl. Mm-hmm. That seems mean. I'm fine with people who like Gone Girl. I'm fine with people who like Fifty Shades. Yeah. I'm fine with people who have live, laugh, love stuff in their house, but mm-hmm. I am suspicious of Ray Dunn fans. If you, yeah, I. They scare me a little bit. If you've gone to Home Goods or TJ Maxx or something 
like right when they open just to get a ray done thing i don't know what you're Please doing re-examine <laughs> re-examine you yourself your priorities go buy literally any other white dish and write on it with a sharpie it's the same yeah you too can make your handwriting tall and thin <laughs> <laughs> cookies <laughs> really uh coming out strong against the uh ray dunn ray dunn it's a problem here. it's a problem i'm not afraid to say it uh <laughs> ray dunn nick dunn amy dunn <gasps> amy dunn it all comes it's, together it for those of you who haven't read the up. book your husband michael um, that's the name of the characters in the book. Ben Nick Affleck is Nick Dunn. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what else have you been reading? What else have I been reading? I've been reading a lot, but not finishing anything. Perfect. I'm having a real trouble, a real trouble with narratives. I think I looked at my reading stats this month and it's like only shelfware books I have finished. So my reading goals are not going great, but you know what? Sometimes it happens. Um, I so I was like let's go back to some uh comfort reads comfort authors for me so I did pick up um an Anthony Horowitz novel he's a mystery writer that I really enjoy also if you if the name sounds familiar I think he did the Maximum Ride series for young adults um and he also wrote for like Midsummer Murders for a super long time so he's like real big in the mystery scene I have not read Magpie Murders, uh, though I've owned it for many years. So I finally picked that up and read it, or started reading it. And it's interesting. It's a book. uh, It's like two mysteries in one, essentially, which I'm sure you would love, Em. Perfect. So the the premise of the book is that an agent is reading the latest mystery from her very famous uh, author. And as she's reading it, she kind of notices, like, uh, either, like, similarities between this mystery and things happening in real life or like there's something going on with the actual mystery novel that um leads her to believe things are happening outside of the story that she needs to investigate as well i haven't gotten to that part yet because i do believe it actually like goes through the whole mystery novel that the guy wrote before getting to the rest of the novel um so it's like the biggest frame story (laughs) ever uh it's it's like 500 pages and i'm like close to 200 in and i'm still in that first um first novel that's not See, the actual almost novel had me pulled in with the frame story thing i was like mm, yes i love a good frame story but then <laughs> but 500 long. pages bopped me right back out i know it's like no thank you but yeah Maybe. that does sound good if you like mysteries if you love mysteries yeah uh and then i was like this is long i need something shorter to read that will maybe jumpstart my rating uh, and so I started, but haven't finished, a book called River of Shadows. Guess what? It's a romance where the girl falls in love with a death god, Ugh. except for it's based off of Finnish mythology instead of, you know, our usual Hades Persephone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very good. I've heard it kind of slows down, like, once she actually meets her love interest. But so far, it's like her going on the journey into the underworld. And it's it's really good. 30% of the way through that one. Uh, it's River of Shadows by Karina Hale or Hal. H A L L E. Haley. Haley. I don't know. Halle. Cool. I don't know. How about you? Um, I also have not been reading a ton, uh, but I finished a graphic novel because, you know, when we don't of have enough time to read a book, we read a graphic novel. That's what I should have done. Uh, <laughs> which I read, uh, Gender Queer, a memoir by uh, Maya Kababe. 
which is about Maya's understanding of gender and air uh, gender identity and kind of mm-hmm. coming, coming terms with that. So that had been on my TBR for a while. It was pretty good. I'm not that big of a memoir fan in general, but like I prefer graphic memoirs. Um, so, you know, if that's up your alley, maybe check that one out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also started a book that's been on my, t- I started a bunch of books, much like you, but the one that I'm going to talk about is um, Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Sulin Tan. Oh, that one has a really pretty cover, doesn't it? It does. And I think it either just had a sequel come out or is having a sequel come out shortly. Um, but it's about a girl who's the daughter of the moon goddess and uh, her she's not supposed to exist. So when her uh, she when she, <laughs> uh, when, she when her existence is sort of discovered by the emperor and empress, uh, her mom kicks her out of their home so that she can be safe somewhere else. Um, mm-hmm. And she ends up serving in a different uh, noble house. And eventually um, goes to become the uh, companion of the prince of the uh, celestial court. And uh, things continue from there. And I assume probably there's going to be kissing at some point. Just it seems like that's kind of the vibes. But I could be wrong. Um, But I'm like 25% of the way through. It's pretty cute so far. Uh, They just got into kind of the magic system. And it was a little bit like info dumpy in terms of how the magic system works and i'm like "Eh, okay um but aside from that it's it's good it's cute i like it so far and i will continue reading it Mm. and hopefully the whole thing will be good i would buy these books just for the covers yeah the covers are gorgeous the heart of the sun warriors the sequel also Mm -hmm. coming out this year or has come out whatever um stunning absolutely stunning yes excellent covers more covers like this please please uh so that please. in three years we can be whining about how all covers look like this as all we were covers. with with uh, uh contemporary romances and cartoon style because when those yeah. started coming out everyone was like oh i love it more covers like this and now every cover is like that <laughs> please stop giving us these please discreet stop. covers i want my my uh clinch covers back <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right so let's talk about Gone Girl. We've let's talked talk a about lot about Girl. it already, but let's let's talk about the plot of it. It's hard to do because this is one of those books where so much shit happens and it all like out of order. Um and also we have extremely unreliable narrators. And so like did did these things happen or who is telling the truth? Who cares? I felt like the narrators were really reliable except for the diary, Amy. I yeah, diary like- Amy. Well, I think the thing with with Nick's POV in the first part, especially, was uh-huh. very much like, I told five lies that day, but you don't really know what the oh, lies yeah, are until yeah. they're revealed later. And so, which, you know, the first time you're reading is like, wow. Yeah. I felt like I didn't even pick up on that as it being unreliable mm-hmm. because it was like, he tells the lies to other people and he mm-hmm. just, like, he's not lying in his head right he's not lying in the narration he's lying to other people and he just doesn't Mm -hmm. specify which things are lies so i was like oh yeah i'm gonna believe everything that he says in the narration like i knew but not his yeah like his mouth his discord not his discourse his dialogue was unreliable so it's like unreliable dialogue but yeah his narration i was like yeah no i i believe what you're saying yeah he kind of lied he lies to the reader by omission quite a bit yeah but I mean, like uh, you said, he even tells tells us that. Yeah, like, he tells you. Hey, I lied about something. Yeah, you just don't know what it is until yeah. later. 
So uh, the first, there, this book is split into three parts. The first part of the book is uh, mainly from the POV of Nick Dunn, who is a failed, not failed, he was, he was a um, magazine journalist, print journalist um, in New York City. He's originally from Missouri, uh, but then the recession happened and he got laid off. Um, again, this was published in 2012. Uh, and he got laid off and he and his uh, he and his wife, Amy, who was also a magazine writer. She did like personality quizzes and stuff for magazine. After she was laid off, they both moved back to Carthage, Missouri, where uh, Nick's family still lived to take care of his mom who has cancer and his dad who has Alzheimer's. The parents are divorced. He has a twin sister named Margo, who he calls Go. And everyone thinks they have, like, a weird, like, way too close, almost incestuous relationship. But they're just, like, they're the only two that fully understand each other. And Go likes to make dick jokes. And so everyone's like, oh, you guys must fuck. That's a wild thing. Wild assumption to make about two people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we basically start off the book... Nick comes home one day from work uh, to find his front door open, what looks to be an altercation happening in his living room, and his wife is missing. So he calls the cops, and it sparks this whole investigation um, that turns into a nationwide phenomenon because Amy, his wife, who is missing, is the uh, person who inspired a series of children's books called The Amazing Amy Books uh, her parents wrote and became very wealthy off of. I'm, I was trying to think of an equivalent, I guess, like... Like if Ramona Quimby was based on a real person, or yeah. like Eloise, I think, is based on a real person. But it um, sounds like they're super preachy, too. Like, this is this is what you have to do to be a good person sort of books. It seemed like it was half narrative and half, like, child-raising... Yeah. Like like it included personality or quizzes in the books. Yeah. It sounded terrible. It didn't it seem did. like a good book series. But apparently everyone in this fictional version of the United States of America loved them growing up. So. Yeah. So, okay. Okay. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I guess like American Girl doll books and the Dear History books did not exist mm. because that would be really. Amy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, awesome. The, from the get-go, the cops don't really, well, one of the police officers, there's two detectives, one named Boney and one named Gilpin. Gilpin is kind of like, the husband did it, obviously, uh, but he and Boney both agree things aren't really lining up about the crime scene. Like, it looks very obviously manufactured. There are, uh just really obvious clues i guess pointing pointing to nick being the murderer um we also find out there's just like a bunch of shit that that is unveiled it's we also find out that like nick has a mistress named andy who's a 23 year old college student because nick is also he owns a bar also he's like an adjunct professor and so he you know was sleeping with one of his students and they've been doing that for a year um Throughout this first section, there are chapters told from Amy's point of view, a diary she has she is writing for the past seven years. So 2007 until 2012, kind of 
the entries that we get as readers kind of just detail her her experience with meeting Nick and then falling in love with Nick and the marriage and and their loss of their jobs and moving to Carthage and how like her diary depicts her as you know a woman who was just she wanted to be this cool girl wife for her very handsome husband and um she was doing everything she could to adjust to this new lifestyle after like um you know, they lost their job. She, she lost a lot of her trust fund money because her parents were also having financial issues. And, um, then her husband in like, I guess this, this anger and stress of, of not having as much money as they used to resorted to like hitting her and threatening her and scaring her to the point where she felt like she needed a gun. And then she finds out she's pregnant and then she goes missing. That's like the narrative of the diary. Meanwhile, the police are asking Nick all these questions of like, okay, so like, you know, who were your wife's friends? He's like, she didn't have any friends. She fucking hated it here. But the diary said she had, she had several friends and she loved it here. And she, you know, uh, had a, had a big social life. Okay. So that doesn't matter. Before they find the diary, they've got Noelle who's coming forward and being like, Mm -hmm. I was her best friend. And Nick is like, no, you you never hung out. And then Noelle. Yeah. She hated you and talked shit about you all the time. What are you talking about? And then Noelle (laughs) has like pictures of them hanging out together. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay. So maybe Nick is a shithead and just doesn't mm-hmm. know what's going on with his wife. Like this is, this is, I assume the vibe that we are supposed to be getting in this first part of the book is that we are supposed to be like, Hmm, maybe, maybe Nick really doesn't know his wife. Maybe Nick mm-hmm. is like lying about being a shithead. He's to always his wife at the and, bar and with his mistress. How yeah, would he know? Maybe he was hitting his wife and he's just not admitting to it. Maybe he's that unreliable, but I, I mean, you'd already read the book and I have, mm-hmm absorbed enough through the culture's like guys that I was like no she like she gone girled herself is like a she phrase gone right you know herself. Yeah. so I was like obviously Amy did it like Amy's Amy's not this isn't true all of this yeah so I, w- I think that might have also been why I was like so willing to believe Nick because I was just like yeah but yeah but Amy did it Amy did it though and I know that Amy that's did. what's why gonna does happen why does else see this that Amy did it <laughs> <laughs> um and let's see what else we they even at like, one point they even at one point are like i think very early in the investigation nick maybe is like oh what you think like someone brings up the possibility that she ran off and is framing nick like they bring it up very early and it's dismissed mm-hmm. completely and i'm like you can't do that you don't yeah. You don't get to you don't get to be like, oh, maybe it's this theory. No, no, that theory is silly. Don't think that silly readers. And then yeah. be like, twist, it was that twist theory. that was it the whole time. It's like, okay, well, but you you told us it wasn't. So this isn't you don't get points for I it's it's like if in sixth sense, spoilers for sixth sense. Wow, um, yeah. If like Quick, in stop Sixth the podcast, sense, go watch Sixth Sense if you haven't. Someone was like, Hey, Maybe you're actually dead, like, in the first, like, ten minutes of the movie. And he was like, no, no, of course not. Like that, no, that, that would be dumb. Don't think that. That would be stupid, and you'd be stupid for thinking it. Like, <laughs> you can't do that. No. <laughs> um. So every year, also, Amy sets up a scavenger hunt for her husband on their anniversary, um of clues of things that like had a lot of meaning to 
her or to their relationship over the past year, but they're always super fucking hard and Nick is too dumb and he cannot figure out. Um, well, and they're always about things that are important to Amy also. Yeah. They're yeah. Like, Amy is definitely, uh, <laughs> she's definitely expecting too much. Like that's her words are like two sentence, two right. It's like a rhyming couplet of just the most common words you could think of. <laughs> but she's like, how do you not understand this very specific thing I was aiming for? Well, <laughs> um, so, so Nick is like trying to solve this scavenger hunt and the clues are leading him to like, he thinks his wife, uh, you know, their, their marriage has been rocky. They've been married five years. Um, ever since they moved to Carthage, just things have really been rough for them and probably before then too, as we find out later. But the, the clues that he's finding over the course of like the first 48 hours that she's missing or whatever are like, hey, you know, I just want you to know, I think you're so brilliant. I think you're so witty. I think you're so, I don't remember what the last one was, but they're just like very complimentary, like love notes that she's leading, leaving him at each location. And she's taking him to, um, it's his office, the, uh, Hannibal the park where he used to work at as as a kid pretending to be Huck mm-hmm. Finn, um, his dad's house, and then finally the Margot's woodshed. But there's the fourth one, isn't there? Or am I misremembering? Maybe I it think is. it's or- just those four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and at the last location, um, there, which is Mar- his his twin sister's woodshed, he opens the door to reveal like just mountains and piles of very expensive shit um backtrack a little bit the police have found that nick is like two hundred thousand dollars in credit card debt which made me just like feel so panicked Mm -hmm. for this Mm -hmm. fictional man i was like there was you cannot dig your way out of this hole (laughs) um and he swears up and down he you know did not take out any credit cards like he has no recollection of making any of these purchases but there they are in his name um, and then he goes to the woodshed and there is the, all of the stuff that he pr- supposedly bought and also a note from Amy that like, essentially to paraphrase is like, I know you're fucking cheating on me, you piece of shit. But Enjoy. all in code so that if someone yeah. else read it, it would be like, oh no, it's just a How nice romantic. Note. And she yeah. leaves a Punch and Judy doll for him carved in wood, which are- yes. Wood is the five-year anniversary gift, I guess. I thought it was, thought it was leather. I no, I think that was just something someone said in the book. Never mind. I was gonna say wood it was definitely wood because the first thing that was gonna be was a wood cradle. That's right. That's right. So and also I feel like I would have anyway. I was gonna say I feel like I would have remembered if it was leather Punch and Judy puppets because that would be wild. <laughs> that would be very odd. Um, <laughs> also during all of this, we have a few other leads that are brought up. Um, yes. we've got uh, she was seen at the mall buying a, or attempting the shutdown mall attempting to buy a gun um, so that's like why was she buying a gun Nick's like she was afraid of someone and of course as we're reading the diary the diary Amy version is that she's afraid of Nick um, mm-hmm. we are also introduced to a couple uh, people from her past there's a woman who supposedly uh, was obsessed with her parents as and her like she wanted to be her when they were kids and like told um, Mary Beth her mom that like she was gonna kill Amy and take her place um, mm-hmm. 
pin in that because that's fucking wild. Absolutely. Um, and then there's there's a ex-boyfriend who's mentioned that supposedly um, raped Amy. And then there's another ex-boyfriend named Desi who uh, I think it's I think they say that he stalked her and that um, he was super clingy after the breakup. Yeah. And, and that he tried to kill himself. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nick knows about Desi because he still sends mail to Amy, but Amy just mm-hmm. throws it away. Um, yeah. So there's like this, there's several kind of, well, what if it was one of these folks sort of things going on? But like none of them mm-hmm. are very strong leads. Yes. But Nick is like, why aren't people investigating these instead of me? Mm-hmm. And the problem with Nick is that he is, so his his father was fairly uh, emotionally distant, I think abusive. Uh, Verbally, was, I think. Skimming I think a lot of this. Yeah. <laughs> they specify that he never hit his wife. I think, okay. or no, no, no. They specify he never cheated on his wife. That's what Go that was is the like. Breaking point. Yeah, yeah. Go is like, oh my god. When she finds out about the affair that Nick's been having, she's like, well, even Dad never did that. So maybe he was physically abusive, but he was definitely verbally abusive. Yeah, like Nick's relationship with his dad is is terrible, but because of that, he has had no um, experience with like emotions at all. He he buries it all. Um, he, you know, has this very, uh, self-conscious desire for everyone to always find him likable. And he is burdened with such an attractive face that many want to punch him upon sight. So So he, yeah, he just, he has to like do things to make himself ugly, like put on glasses, (laughs) please. Uh, (laughs) poor Nick. Um, so all of these things kind of combined to when he's like, you know, uh, giving interviews or, or at press conferences or at vigils for Amy, he comes off as this very unconcerned, calm, stoic individual who doesn't seem that concerned about the fact that his wife has disappeared and maybe has been murdered. So people start pointing at him and being like, he did it. Like, look, this is not how someone should respond in this situation which yes this is bad like people people do handle stress in a multitude of ways does not necessarily mean they're the killer but um I, I think that was the moral of this story was you know don't don't judge a husband by his lack of tears i guess um so <laughs> the the end of this section kind of comes to a head with nick realizing people think he is guilty the police are starting to turn on him. This 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 news that Amy was pregnant got out. And for some reason, people think that Nick didn't want the baby, even though he was like, no, it was Amy. Amy never wanted the baby. Like we we even went and got like a fertilization, uh, not expert, but physician. I don't what is the term I'm looking for? Uh, we I went to a fertilization clinic trying to do IVF, maybe. Yeah. Um just because like Amy wanted to do do it the the most like I don't know she didn't want to take any chances she was like let's have a kid and then we're gonna do it this way instead of trying to do it uh just with regular PNV sex and um he was like we you know we we went to the doctors and they had my sperm and she just never followed up like this is something she chose she didn't want a kid I don't none of these things are acting are adding up so he hires like 
a very famous lawyer who takes on cases where, uh, you know, people, I don't want to say they're guilty because, you know, can't, I guess you can't make that assumption, but, um, where he takes on these cases where it seems like the odds are stacked against the defendant and, uh, he wins the cases. So, so he's kind of like a, a sleazebag lawyer is how he's portrayed in the book. Um, also the most, uh, empathetic character I felt like. Yeah. You know, I liked him. He's not terrible. (laughs) He knew what he was about and he did it very well. I was like, you know, it's like that show Suits, I assume. Yeah. I've never seen it, but sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so then we get into part two and part two immediately opens with Amy's point of view the day of her disappearance saying, I staged it all. The last 12 months, I have been planning the most perfect revenge for my philandering husband, and that is to frame him for my murder. And then once he ha- once I see that he has been tried and is guilty and is going to prison in a state that has the death penalty, I will then kill myself. And Amazing. that will be the ultimate revenge. Amazing so, plan. She, yes. Okay. She, um has made a like a hundred point plan to do this has followed through with it to the point of like you know she she's she bought a car five months ago in cash so it couldn't be traced and has been like parking it in public parking lots in st louis and different lots and she goes up once a month to move the car like just like absolutely wild things i would never even think of um she's cut her hair she's gained a little bit of weight to try and like change her appearance she but she's had, been hiding the fact that she's gained weight under like baggy clothes the last few months. Oh my god, it's, it's a whole a twelve pounds. Mm. There was a lot in this yep. book about Amy being a size two, which there was also a lot in this book in general from both Nick and Amy about pointing out when women were fat, and I don't yeah. know what the deal was with that i'm not sure like if they're just supposed to be like shitty people or if that's like or it was hard to tell because those are our two folk characters i was like it's hard to tell if this is a nick and amy hang up or a jillian flint hang up i'm not sure which it is yes (laughs) very hard to tell when both of your characters are terrible people um so she is on her way amy's plan has basically culminated in her doing this she has like cut open her arm and bled all over the kitchen and then cleaned it up to make it look like maybe Nick beat up Amy in the kitchen and then had to clean up the blood. And then she like staged the living room so that it looked like the living room was staged to be to have, for there to have been an encounter or an abduction or something going on. Like she planned everything. She wrote the diary entries, faked them all, all, all seven years worth of diary entries. She had like 22 different pens she used so that it wouldn't be like you know all written at the or it looked like it was all written at the same time in the same hand she uh just did all kinds of stuff she's she's a brilliant person um and right now she is driving to the ozarks to stay in like a weekly cabin rental situation um and she's gonna try and rough it until until nick's conviction and she's got like $10,000 or something that she saved up yeah. from uh, stealing from Nick and um, making small withdrawals from their bank account and things mm-hmm. like that. Stealing from the tip stealing jar. Stealing from the, the tip bar. jar. Yeah. Uh, so we we follow both her and Nick's perspectives. Um, basically, 
she she stays at this at this weekly cabin rental situation and she kind of like gets to know a few of the people that are also long-term stays but she accidentally reveals that she has a bunch of cash on her and so her she she ends up getting robbed by the people that are there with her and she left with no options she decides she has to uh turn to her former boyfriend Desi who um everyone thinks was her stalker uh for a place to stay and for money and we're getting from Nick's perspective at this point I think Mm -hmm. he's called those leads or like followed Mm -hmm. up with them because he's realized Amy is trying to frame him um, yes, that's part two, is he's all like, he's going on the offensive because yeah. he realizes he's being framed. So he talks to, he's already met with Desi before this, um, mm-hmm. and Desi has a weird comment about, like, the way that Amy's father treated her, um, but then he talks to the other two. The first one, the one dude, I was like, okay, maybe this isn't, maybe this just isn't good, because it was very, like a little skinny nerdy boy and he was like look at me how could i have raped amy i'm too skinny and nerdy and it's like okay all right okay well that's cool um yeah nick's like he doesn't look like a jock he doesn't look like the type who would rape someone it's like what would that be describe that nick Nick. describe Describe that person Um, thank you but then the other girl is like yeah her when we were kids um she got super jealous of me because basically when they call when he calls both of them at first they're like i don't want to talk but then he's like i don't trust amy and they're like well let me tell you a thing or two yes Um, so the girl is like i'm so sorry that you're going through this like when we were growing up um we were really good friends but then i like there was a boy at a party who wanted to talk to me and not amy and there was like a test that i did better on than amy by like just a tiny tiny bit um so she like started basically turning against her and did the same sort of like revenge scheme in which she set it up to make this girl look like the villain right where she mm-hmm. can but then the way she did it is she convinced her to go pull a prank on her mom by saying she wanted to kill amy and i'm like okay sure whatever that's like amy's wild right prank. like why would you ever agree to that ever that's not what's the joke yeah. what's the joke there like what how is that a prank please explain it to me please explain yeah and i get like teenagers do dumb things because they don't think things through all the time but but like how that is, is that you would assume that would be way too far not even it would be too far it would be like if if one of my fr- i mean it would be too far but like mm-hmm. if one of my friends came up to me as a teen and was like hey i've got a really funny prank what if you go tell you tell my mom that you want to kill me and take my place i'd be like how is that a prank though like what's <laughs> the punchline i don't the punchline is my mom will be worried and my we mom, love to worry our mothers my mom will hate you <laughs> yeah how is that what am i what how do you not get bad vibes from this girl but amy is just so charming and and lovely and wonderful that this girl Mm -hmm. just went along with it and it's like okay i guess whatever yes (laughs) yeah so she gets she gets ostracized from school and like the guy that 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 was like the attempted rape charge that was dropped was like no she set me up like we had consensual sex that night but then she like she went to the cops and you know so it's kind of like a mm, yeah we don't need that commentary right that was the one that i was most like this is i don't know i don't know that i want this to be in this book necessarily don't need that as proof of amy being a bad person right especially when the only counter proof like 
But she does it twice. She doesn't just do she, it does, she does she does it twice. twice. She kind of does it three times because she does it with the Nick in the diary too. She That's says true. That she well, she kind of does it four times then because then at the very end, when she becomes pregnant, does she say that he raped her for that though? Mm. I'm just counting times that she's claimed someone's raped her. Oh yeah, okay. I was thinking like times that. <laughs> She's times yeah. that she's she's done a thing that an M- MRA would point out and be like, see, women see, be crazy. Women do it all the time. Yeah. See, um, well, I guess it's kind of like women are so desperate to get pregnant that they'll save their husband's sperm secretly and then put it inside their bodies. Which, like, it wasn't really even women are so desperate. It's just she's like so this ch- fucking. This is her. This is how she's gonna keep. She has Nick eighteen different yeah. like plans going at any given time. She's just. A master manipulator, master so chess player. So smart, so brilliant. <sighs> yeah. So, so we get like this proof of Amy being a shithead to other people, and 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 this sort of like when someone when she feels wronged by a person wanting to take this sort of like you know vigilante justice sort of yeah. you know like she has to ruin the other person completely. Because the guy she accused of rape was, like, trying to soft break up with her or something. And she was like, yeah. fuck you. Yes. And then we never really got, like, the Desi, the Desi, um, like, what was, if what about that was faked, if any of it was, or, like. Well, the suicide stuff was faked. She said. That, that was just a lie. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, that never happened. Um, I think, because Desi does, like, confirm some of the stuff. Yeah, because he he does have issues also. <laughs> yes, Desi is. This is the thing, which is why I'm like, I think I feel like this is commentary like Desi and Nick are Neil Patrick Harris. For those of you who have seen the movie, <laughs> Desi and Nick are both like fucked up and yes, have yeah. fucked up views of women. Right. Yes. Um. So, I mean, like. There is something. Like, I don't think that Amy is a feminist icon. I feel like Amy is a victim of the patriarchy more than, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Mm -hmm. she's fucked in the head because of the ways in which, like, people have tried to construct her her whole life, right? Yes. And that doesn't mean that she's a good person. And I think that, like, so it's, it's this weird thing of, like, all of these characters are both victims and villains of, like the way it falling for the construction of women, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. that Desi is so willing to believe that she is this like damsel in distress. Yes. That he wants to fill this role as the white knight, as the protector to the point of damaging himself and others. Right. Cause like, yes, if, if she wasn't murderous and his actions would also be bad. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, because there's, I, assuming that she's saying the truth, because I, I, to, to just kind of, she calls up Desi and is like, hey, I'm escaping my abusive husband, please help me. And he's like, cool, yes, I will help you. And takes her to a cabin in the woods sort of situation. A very nice lake house. Uh-huh. But, but holds her hostage. Holds her hostage, won't let her leave because he can't trust her not to go back to Nick, right? And yes. I mean, there's you could maybe make the argument that maybe he's not actually that controlling and Amy is, this is like, uh, uh, unreliable narrator from Amy, but Amy's been pretty upfront with all of her narration outside of Diary Amy. So I think mm-hmm. we can, we can trust Amy. We can assume that Desi is yeah. a shithead, just like everybody else in this yes, book. Yes, he's not <laughs> a likable character, right? Um, 
does he deserve what happens to him? No. But, no. <laughs> you know. Uh, so Nick, Nick in this section also starts going on the offensive of like changing his image with the media. He does some interviews. Um, you know, the news about his affair gets out nationwide. Like the mistress has like a, has a press press conference. conference. Um, and like, I'm fully cooperating with the police now, but just wanted to let y'all know I, you know, we had a relationship for a year, which I'm like, there is literally no point to holding a press conference about that like there's no reason that anyone except the police needed to know that it just made me mad like, i thought the police whole... were the ones who like put her up to doing the press conference yeah because they just want everyone to be mad at it's whatever because they're trying just, to get I... like nick to cave basically yeah yeah i just think that's so dirty i, I mean, mean I... so was murder i get it but like Whatever, whatever. Wait, wait. It made me mad. It Law made me mad that Andy Andy would do not that. Behaving in a way that's good. This is totally new information. This is totally new. Uh, so he goes and he does some really big interviews with like I guess the equivalent of a Barbara Walter situation, and or Oprah, and uh, you know the public starts to think like okay maybe he didn't do it, but in these in these interviews he does like plead to Amy like I you know I didn't take it. Uh, I, t- I took I took you for granted. I didn't treat you well, but if you come back to me, I promise that I will treat you as you deserve. I will worship you. I will I will love you forever. Yada yada yada. This whole situation, and he is purposefully like wearing the clothes that Amy picked out for him, uh, a watch that she bought him that was really expensive that he was like you know didn't want to wear because it was very expensive and not his thing. But he knows Amy will appreciate these gestures, and he he's actually like talking to her because he knows the only way that he will ever be considered innocent of this crime is if Amy comes back and fixes it because she, this is like a foolproof plan on her part. So this does work. She sees this because of her, you know, I guess because of her being a sociopath, she's not able to interpret his, his pleas as lies. Like Nick is like anything you tell her, she will believe because she assumes that to be true about herself also. So there's also a, like he has a, they have a code symbol or something that's yes. like I'm he not puts bullshitting a finger you. on his chin. Yeah, and he does that, and she's like, "Oh, so he's serious." Which also like, <sighs> there is this weird romance between them, right? And I can't mm-hmm. like, he does like he she she faked the perfect girlfriend for him, you know? Like mm-hmm. she she knew what Nick would like the most, and she pretended to be that for two years until after they were married. And Nick says like she made me my best self like when I was with her I felt like I could do anything when she was that way and she made me better and and so like in this act of like pretending to love her for national television he kind of feels like he's falling in love with her again but then is like no wait she did this really shitty thing to me also (laughs) and there's like a line from Amy I think about how and I can't remember at what point in the book it is but it's like her thorns perfectly fit into like Nick's wounds basically and mm-hmm. it's like that's fucked up fucked up but i can see how she would think it's romantic right right and i mean like nick is kind of going through this whole thing of like when he's reading the letters he falls back in love with her and then it's like oh no yes. that's all fake so i mean there yeah. there is like this weird tension between them in which it's kind of like i don't know they maybe they belong together maybe they do belong together but it's like that's a terrible ending for both of them yes but pin in that Pin in that. So Amy, Amy wants to go back, 
uh, but cannot escape the the lake house fortress that she is in with Desi until some like I think it's almost like it's over a month has passed um, and she finally is able to enact her plan where she gives she puts sleeping pills in Desi's drink and when he falls asleep she slits his throat and she escapes after having she, sex with him so that after she has semen in her body and then she like fucks herself with a glass bottle or something so that it looks like she's been raped like wild Mm -hmm. absolutely wild yeah every day for like a month and then and and she also like would tie herself up because she wasn't like she wasn't held captive in the sense that like she was locked in a room like she had free range of this place and they were friends so like you know he would he would give her things like it wasn't like she was a prisoner in desi's mind um (laughs) <laughs> so she would like tie twine around her hand, her wrists and ankles whenever Desi wasn't around to make it like look like she had been tied up for a month or whatever. And so she finally escapes and she and she goes back home and the media, you know, is camped outside of Nick's home because they're pretty sure he's going to be arrested any day. And uh, she shows up and everyone just loses their minds. I think he has been arrested at that point. He's out on bail. Oh, that's right. Yes, he's out on bail. Um, awesome. Amy's back in town. She spins this whole tale about how it was Desi the whole time. It was, you know, he was angry that she was married to Nick for five years and he came and he abducted her and held her as his, you know, sex slave, I guess. And, uh, then she escaped him. She tells the truth about how she escaped him. Um, and the cops are like, cool, case closed. Sorry, we look real dumb. And she had a miscarriage during all of that. Oh, yes. That's why she's not pregnant anymore. Because she faked the pregnancy, of course. Um, By Mm. stealing her friend Noelle's pee and then going to a doctor. And she had already uh, created a belief that she was afraid of needles and blood. Citywide belief. Just this is the thing. I was like really excited when I got 50%. And I was like, oh, the the reveal that she's the one who did it is halfway through the book. I thought that was going to be at the end. Um, So there's, this is so much more interesting because like, I thought I knew the big twist at the end. There's still so much book. And then it was just, everything was so much. And like, I get it. She's like super smart and thinks of everything, but I'm like, I don't know. This is exhausting. This is just, it it would be exhausting to be you. And even more than like, I find you, unrelatable because you're a sociopath and we keep saying that term and it's the term that they use in the book um Mm -hmm. but you know like i don't relate to you for that reason but i also just don't relate to you because you're just so busy and i don't think it's so i don't think i have the energy all of this without (laughs) nick ever knowing i mean like i guess he's off fucking his his student all the time but yeah still he wouldn't hear like she goes to visit his dad in the care facility that he's in, like, all the time. She hangs out with his mom all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you not hear these things? Like, I get from not from your dad. Okay, that makes sense. But, like, from your mom, who you're super close to, you didn't hear any of this? Whatever. Right. Like, um, and the dad thing, like, she goes to hang out with his uh, dad who has Alzheimer's and is a misogynist and whispers in his ear, like, come visit me come visit me in the, the house that me and Nick live in. Come like, live with us. The, come live with us. I love you. In order to get this guy, it just, like, everything goes too well, right? Like too she, well, yeah. Something should have not worked, you know? 
but, but she's thought of everything. She thought of everything, and then it plays it, out exactly because, like, there's kind of a point where, like, Nick is trying to be like, "Hey." Um, she's trying to frame me and the cops are like explain and he's like oh well she left the purse here on the way there and she did this and she did that and they're like okay well that's like really convenient that everything is matching up there should have been like yeah. some things and I guess they're kind of are because like they don't find the diary at first and she's calling a tip about it um, and I think the, the punch and Judy like eventually they find the Judy handle is like covered in her blood or whatever and they're and like this is the murder weapon um, yeah. but it's just like everything works out too well there should have been more more problems for for this like master plan I don't know there's too yeah. many moving pieces and it all worked exactly well, how she thought it would and like the biggest the biggest thing I felt like that it hinged on her whole plan was Nick's inability to show any emotion whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, so that people would think he was the evil murdering husband like, what if he had just, like, had a frown? Felt sad. Yeah, I don't know. It's just there was too much, too many pieces that... I agree, yeah. Though I guess, it like, the one thing that didn't work out for her is she... All her money was stolen because yeah. someone accidentally saw it, but... But that was outside of the, like, main That was outside plan, of the murder. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and she's also, like, while she was on the run, was, like, making phone calls, like, hey, here's a hot tip. Go to the river in Hannibal and you'll find my purse. Or yeah. A purse. You know, just like stuff like that. I think it was just the two tips that she called in. I think it yeah. was the diary. But mm-hmm. the diary is like wild because maybe they found that themselves. I don't know. I'm not sure. Because the diary yeah. was like in the dad's in the furnace, furnace, which like, mm-hmm. how would anyone know that? You know? <laughs> exactly. They're not. There's no way they would have looked in there. Um. So she comes back and and almost everyone believes her story. Like it's a it's a pretty good like there's some there's some like questions, but she's like, Oh, so you're saying I, you know, she like she plays up the rape angle of it. She's like, So you're saying I wanted this to happen to myself and blah blah blah, which makes people back off. Um and the only person that really doesn't believe her at all is the detective Boney. Um, and obviously Nick and Margot and, and the lawyer, but he's like, you're not paying me anymore, so I'm going to fuck off. And we don't really hear from him anymore. Um, so after she's back, she kind of insists on them resuming their their previous life. She's like, you know, this is, you wanted me back, Nick, and, you know, that's what you're going to have. And you're going to treat me exactly like you said you would on, on all your TV interviews. So um, let's do this. And Nick is obviously like... No, no. <laughs> I don't want this. And she's like, well, you know, just one one false step and uh, I can make it all come crashing down again. You know, right now the world loves you because of me. Uh, and if you're mean to me, I'll make them hate you again. And she has a she has saved some vomit from a time <laughs> that yeah. this like the this vomit. is what I'm saying. This is so many so thinking so, so far ahead. And I get like that's the point. But I'm just like, this is exhausting. Um, yeah. She saved some vomit from a time that she fed herself antifreeze to make herself look like she had antifreeze poisoning and Nick was she trying to kill her with literally poison. Literally ingested antifreeze. Yeah, antifreeze. And then she wrote about that in the diary, but then she also did, like, which, like, she wrote about it in the diary. It's like, that's enough, right? No, she actually did poison herself with antifreeze and, and then kept the vomit. the vomit and put it in the freezer and Nick never found it. And it's like... Until he did. Until he did. But it yeah. was too late. Yep. Because... Because she was already pregnant. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, so he, they've been kind of meeting he, his little, like him and Detective Boney and Go have been meeting to like discuss how they're going to get Nick out of the situation and how they're going to reveal to the world that Amy's a terrible person. Meanwhile, Amy has gotten like this book deal to write. So, you know how she's based off or amazing Amy books are based off of her, her, the name of her memoir is just going to be amazing. Uh, where she tells the tale of her harrowing escape from, from the capture and, blah 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 and Nick is like well I'm gonna write my own story telling the world about how fucking awful you are and here's all the proof it's gonna be in a book and then we'll compete to see who's the biggest shitbag I guess is his plan okay uh and they also he finds the vomit and he cleans it out and leaves the jar on the counter so Amy can see and Amy's like Nick you're you're stepping out of line I gotta fix this so that time that they did the uh the fertilization treatment she actually did go and like collect the sperm or told them to keep the sperm on hand anyway she got it she made herself pregnant and she's like look nick now we have that kid that you've always wanted he's a boy checkmate man you can teach him to not be as terrible as because like this is like nick's whole thing is like yeah. he wants to prove that he can be a good father and like his dad yeah and it's like okay well Great, but great, I guess. He's like, I want to prove that I'm not like my dad by raising a kid and being nice to the kid. Like my dad wasn't nice to me. And it's like, hey, mm-hmm. you know how else you could prove that you're not like your dad is by not thinking of every woman who crosses you as a like annoying bitch. Because yeah. that's like that's a, a whole recurring thing in the book thing. we didn't even get to. Yeah, yeah, is how much Nick thinks of other people and mainly Amy, but occasionally other women as like bitches because that is what his dad did. And yeah, he, he hates has being, anger issues. He has anger issues around women, which is like, okay, he doesn't express those out loud. So that's good. Like he's working on it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it's a little frustrating that it's like, oh, the way that he can redeem himself is by being a good father. It's like, no, the mm-hmm. way you can redeem yourself is by treating women like people. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting <laughs> indeed. So I guess one of the stipulations for her keeping the child is is to him to delete the book that he's writing and then and then also for him to not like not es- try to escape the to situation be anymore. To his fate. So he calls up the the their the little squad, investigation the squad. squad. Yeah, and he's like, can't do this anymore, and go gets Margot gets really mad. She's like, you're just taking the easy way out. This is fucking terrible. It's breaking my heart. And Nick's like, what can I do? And then the book ends. Uh, there's a little bit from Amy where she's like, basically Nick is like, I feel sorry for you. Yeah. And Amy's like, I just want to have the last word. And she finishes out the narration. So yeah. again. <sighs> Uh, this I hate works this kind as, of endings to books. I really do. It works as a horror novel, though. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It works as a horror novel where you're just like the sinking realization that these people are never going to like be able to escape each other. That Nick is caught in this relationship that is like partially his fault because he, you know, was complicit in this construction of this false idea of women but way 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 over exaggerated to what his like retribution should be um and that you know amy is a completely broken monster basically um who Mm -hmm. cannot function as like a full human being because of the ways that she was constructed over and over again and now she is like not a real person right so i mean like that works as a horror novel that's a great horror ending but this is not a horror novel this is not a horror novel (laughs) so it's like the fuck it was just insufferable. Yeah. It's just very like, 
uh, well, they're terrible people and they're going to have a terrible life together. And it's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I guess like the resolution is that now they know that they are terrible, but good for them. Good for them. I guess. I don't know. I, it's just, it's hard. It's hard when there's no one to root for. And I, I, I feel like this is making a point about, you know, harmful, like I'm, I'm for the most part, I think that this is, feminist in the same way that I think I I know I mentioned earlier but Midsommar is feminist where it's like looking at the ways in which society fails women and how that harms everyone around them right Mm -hmm. but also at the same time it's like this didn't doesn't have that like catharsis I think that I'm really looking for in Mm -hmm. this sort of like like I want it to to end with something right and it just kind of fizzled out yeah 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 and it was just like what was the point of reading this then I guess and I also kind of feel that most people reading this aren't going to take Amy as like a deconstruction of the ways in which like women are manufactured and mm-hmm. more just be like, bitches be crazy, you know? Like, I feel like yeah. that's the the surface level reading of this. And I feel like Hell that is... no fury like a woman's scorn. Exactly. And maybe I'm putting too much of my own, like, viewpoint onto this. And maybe this is what, you know, Jillian Flynn was like, wouldn't it be cra- cool to write a crazy bitch book, you know? Um, <laughs> I don't know. But I, some of the choices are very interesting, especially in the current climate that we're in um, in regards mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. women lying about sexual assault and reproductive freedom. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, interesting choices were made. <laughs> what fun to, time to read this also uh, takes place around July 4th. So yeah, their, their That's anniversary cool is like July 5th, I think. So yeah, we're right on time. We're right on time with this one guys. Oh, cool. man. Well, we're done though. We're done now. We're done. We read it. We have to think about these awful people again. Uh, um, cool. Coming up next week, we have a, another Meow Meow Monday with uh, Warrior Cats Arc 2, Book 2, High Noon. That's not it. Sundown? Sunrise. It's some sort of Moonrise. Ton- moonrise. <laughs> <laughs> um, High Noon. <laughs> It's like it's some time of day. <laughs> uh, the week after that, we're actually going to be having a super fun guest on the show. Um, super fun. Anna's going to be taking a week off because I she's gotta move moving. house. Yes. Uh, so in her place, our friend of the show, Brad, who was on our uh, Animorphs uh, uh, RPG episode. Um, is going to be sitting in um, and me and Brad are both <laughs> not fans of a specific genre yeah that has been mentioned in this episode uh, the cozy mystery genre yeah um, so here's the thing is Brad Brad challenged me he said <laughs> he said it's after he had heard our episode where we jokingly said we were going to do cozy mysteries as a unit said we'll he would stop listening if we did a cozy mystery unit uh so i said bitch you're reading a cozy mystery on my podcast (laughs) 
so Brad knows what book we're reading because he we wanted to give him time to track it down and read it. Uh, but yes. I actually don't. So Anna, what yes. what book are we reading? All right. So here's the book you're going to be reading. Uh, Murder at the Brightwell by Ashley Weaver, which I was hesitant to assign because I love this series a lot. Um, but I think there's enough in here for M as well that, you know, okay. maybe it doesn't all have to be about the mystery. There is a there's a very like sexual tension fraught relationship between the main character and her estranged husband. And so I was like, maybe that'll be enough for him to be satisfied. I don't know. I mean, maybe I do love a uh, Miss Fisher sort of vibes or, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I just don't want to read about the mystery part. So we'll <laughs> see. We'll see. But it's, it's a good one. It's a historical mystery takes place in the 1930s in the UK. Uh, and it all happens at a fancy schmancy hotel with rich people. Interesting. So. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was about to say, can it be a cozy mystery at a hotel? But I guess it can. It's like, yes, I associate cozy with like grandma cottages. But, you know, I also don't like the genre. So maybe I am <laughs> being unfair. Yeah, I think I think technically, you know, it's cozy as long as it's like, the, there is a small setting where everybody all knows each other and it's an amateur sleuth. Um, and I think those, those are, those are kind of the hallmarks. Um, but interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that'll be two weeks from now. So come on by to hear me and Brad talk about that. Uh, in the meantime, if you have any books or units you would like us to cover on the podcast, either because you think we would love them or hate them, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you don't follow or subscribe to us on one of those, you definitely should, or I'm going to come gone girl your life. Oh my. Somehow. I've, oh I started I started 12 months ago. <laughs> Be prepared. If you use Apple Podcasts or Spotify, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you are allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you like. In the words of Gillian Flynn, I'm so much happier now that I'm dead. Just living the dream, man. <laughs> <laughs> living the dream. I hope you like it. I'll be heartbroken if you don't. I will never do another episode of this podcast with you if you don't like it. No pressure. If I don't like it, I'll just tell you not to listen to the episode. Excellent. Good. So That's probably my plan, too. I can't. Your if I'm not here to defend it. Uh, and then you'll come back, and the next episode I'm on, I will just be talking about Murder at the Brightwell is the thing. Ugh. I'm just, I don't think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> I know. I was hesitant to assign it for that reason, but my other choices also would, didn't work out for other reasons. So. I see. That's really fun. testing our friendship here. I am. This is. This is a, one of those friendship litmus tests. I have several of them. Uh, this is one. Don't fail it. <laughs> no pressure, though. No pressure, though.